I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, folks. Uh, Jeremy here. And this week we've got something a little bit different, uh, but equally as amazing as what you've been listening to in the past. Uh, We're going to present to you a recording from a live virtual live stream that we did back in December uh, with our guest Shahiza. It's an incredible story about someone who got uh, straight up electrocuted and suffered a traumatic brain injury because of it. And uh, we had a really, really, really fun time with Shahiza. We've been having a really great time with these um, these virtual live streams that we are doing once a month. And um, yeah, we uh, we hope you enjoy this. And, and wherever you are, I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. And uh, enjoy the show, folks. I guess we'll see you on the other side. We are here. Hello, patrons. So good to sort of see all of you. Um, uh, As per usual, we're doing this uh, monthly live Patreon stream for all of you because we love you more than our regular listeners. You mean more to us than anyone else on the planet. That's true. um, And actually, uh, this this month, uh, we uh, we have something really special. Um, so last month we, we spoke with Kyla, uh, and, and that was really fun. And, uh, we're, we're going to kind of continue the sort of regular Monday, uh, typical Monday episode sort of vibes. Um, and this week we are, we're hanging out with our new friend all the way from Calgary. Please give a big round of applause in your living room, in your car, in your bathtub, on the shitter, wherever you are for our friend Shahiza. Yeah, hello. What's up? What's up, guys? How are you today, Shahiza? I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? Good, good. Yeah, we're great. I mean, we're great. I'm really great knowing, like, seeing you on the screen here and seeing that you're alive. Um, Because when I read your application, I was like, well. Your beating heart is such a delight. That sounds like, uh, that sounds like you almost died. Uh, I, I did, yeah. <laughs> so, so why don't you uh, why don't you give us a little rundown on what it is that we're going to be talking about today? You you went through something pretty pretty traumatic. Uh, also, stoked about this because Taylor doesn't really know <laughs> Taylor doesn't know shit that we're talking about. So, I'm excited for you to tell him. I get kept in the dark. <laughs> what what we're talking all about right. today? <laughs> all right, all right, Taylor. Um, yeah. So, so basically, I am a physiotherapist. Um, however, right now I currently kind of focus on the area of concussion treatment and concussion management. Ah. And a lot of that stemmed from my own traumatic brain injury that occurred back in 2013. Um, and just some of the research that I've had to dive into to implement on my own and things that have worked well for me and things that I'm now trying to pass on to some of my own patients. Um, my my situation was a little bit different from a typical concussion, but uh, sure was. Yeah, yeah. 
We, I mean, so, you know, funny thing about concussions is that we've done, uh, we did one episode back in the day with a woman who was texting on her phone, walking down the street and walked right straight into a brick wall without seeing it. So that led to a concussion. We recently, actually this, this week on Monday, we released an episode, um, uh, with a young woman named Danny who got into a pretty severe car accident. And that led to a concussion. Makes a lot of sense, right? That makes sense. Get a concussion mm-hmm. walking yeah. to a wall. Make get a concussion flipping your car. Um, but you had just mentioned that your concussion was a little bit uh, unorthodox. The way that you you received yours. What what exactly happened? Yeah, yeah. So in a nutshell, um, I was electrocuted. So basically, what happened was um, I was at work as a physiotherapist. Um, I was working on a patient, everything was going, you know, as usual. Um, and we use these things called high low beds. So if you've ever been to a physio or a chiro or a doctor, you've seen them, they're electrical beds that go up and down. <clears throat> so the end of the treatment session comes and I try and lower the bed back down so I can get the patient off of the bed and um, it doesn't go down. So I do what anyone would do when something electrical is not working. I'll go to the socket to see if the cord had come loose. Um, I look at the socket, nothing is loose, everything is fine. And the last thing that I kind of remember is this blast of force. Um, And I remember turning my head, looking towards the left, and that's kind of all I remember. So I, uh, I... get up a little while later and I'm in the position where my hand is on the bed and I'm on my hands and knees. Um, and I just feel super winded. Um, it was like the, the most bizarre feeling. Um, and I, and I try and explain it to people all the time where I felt like all of the energy within me had been depleted. Um, I had no energy. I was seeing kind of like tunnel vision where everything around me was going at warp speed, but everything within my field of view was going in slow motion. Um, it, it was really weird. I was kind of seeing stars and, um, the best way that I describe it is kind of felt like there is a rave going on inside my head where, Everything that I could, you know, interpret was really muffled, but everything around me was super loud and super quick. Um, and it's, yeah, it was just, I felt like my body was tilted towards the left and I just felt really off. Um, now what, what, was the, what, was, right. what was the, pa- like, what was the patient yeah. like, oh fuck. Like, <laughs> like what, what did, like, what did, <laughs> they're actually just pissed yeah, because yeah. they're like, I'm, I'm still up high. Like, I'm still like, up the, high on the, bed. The, the reason I asked that is because like, you know, obviously what happened to you was serious and severe. Yeah. But like when that, cause so uh, um, uh, a quick little like anecdote, uh, Taylor and I were in here. I was just about uh, to say that like two days ago and I was sitting at the computer and Taylor was, Oh fuck. I just electrocuted myself. And I was like, what? And he was down doing basically what you were doing. He was trying to plug in a laptop and he touched the prong. Yeah. But while it was like, yeah, kind of. Now I know exactly what you mean. It's funny. But I mean, that was just me going, I went, like in my fingers, yeah. Like re- very local to where I touched it, it was just like, ooh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, yeah. now, if you 
had not said anything, I would never have known that that would have happened. In your case, where you get fully fucking cuted, did like, was there, was there like, did your fucking hair explode? Like, was there a giant, like, did the fuck, did all the lights shut off? Like, you know, like, what did, what did the rest of the world see? Can can we see your skeleton? Were you like glowing? Actually, did it look like, did it look like this? <laughs> this is a this is an image that Brian drew in about literally three minutes before the show started. I actually drew this oh, while I was fuck. waiting for the show to start. <laughs> yeah, is, you know, so pretty, insane. Pretty similar. I guess. <laughs> pretty similar. I imagine. Um, yeah. No. What's ironic is the patient of mine. He was actually an electrical engineer. Oh no. wow! Wow. <laughs> yeah. The irony. Um, so I had no idea what happened. He actually jumped off the bed. Because I was in a you know state of shock, and I he was he was like, "Do you know what happened to you?" It's like, "No, I have no clue." So he pointed to my hand. So he pointed to right here, um, and that was the first time I saw an entrance wound. So it was essentially the size of a penny, which wow. I did not notice this entire time. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he was saying that essentially what happened was I flew back into the wall behind me. Um, oh my God. And, and I don't remember any of this. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Holy there was an entrance wound. There was never an exit wound that has been found. Um, by entrance wound, entrance of, of electricity, of electricity. So, so my, my, un- yeah, my yeah. uncle, if you had, if, if you ever have the chance to meet my uncle, or if you guys ever have the chance to meet my uncle. He has, um, his right arm is totally normal. Like there, it looks normal. Everything about it's normal. His whole body looks relatively normal, but his left arm, um, looks super gnarly. His left arm looks like he was in, he was severely burnt, um, from, from like the hand all the way up to his shoulder. And he was as a child, a teenager, he was climbing one of those, like, um, Oh, those fuck. like those power towers yeah. that you see like in rows upon rows upon rows in, yeah. in like on outskirts of cities. Right. He was climbing one of those and he, um, accidentally touched something that was a live wire and it, oh. it entered through his arm and blasted out of his shoulder. So he had an exit, an exit point mm-hmm. that when, when he told me about it he, it, he described it similar to the way a bullet would enter an exit um, a human after being shot. So like the entry point was quite minuscule, but the exit point was like, like an explosion of skin and muscle and like a really severe, um, exit wound. I didn't know that it had to physically enter you. I thought that it was just kind of, it just moved through you like you, um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do, you know, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, no, I, I know. I know you're like, saying. I thought yeah. it just, like, like I thought it just kind of permeated through your skin via fuck. I don't know. I'm not a. I mean, I don't. I don't know. You're much. not an electric. Engineer. I don't know about ohms and resistance and yeah, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what you just said. So you know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the thought process with me is it uh, it traveled the past of re- least resistance. So went from my hand up the nervous system. So up all of my nerves, um, went through, they, they think it went through my heart and then finally to my skull where it exploded within the confined space. 
So the, the explosion inside my skull, because there is no exit wound, it led to micro trauma um, all over my brain, essentially. Whoa. Wow. That is yeah. Whoa. absolutely fascinating because I'm, I'm, my brain is framing the what it means to be electrocuted in a completely different way. Like I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, back to what I was saying before, like I kind of thought it just sort of like kind of like conducted through you and then either like left or dissipated or like when you're describing it as it doesn't have anywhere to go when it's ultimately in my head so that it like explodes within this conf- are you, like, are, are you now the, thinking thinking of it as like you know the Kool Aid Man busting through the wall? Usually electricity is like that's like <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. coming through the wall. Yeah. Except imagine the Kool Aid Man was just it just stayed in your living room the whole time, or just fucking oh, Jesus fucking <laughs> Jerry almost took a spell, fucking kicking everything over like in but your I mean, brain. Have basically. you have you never like watched a movie where someone gets electrocuted? Like you know. Use like, but they usually just fry. Like when, like in like right. a, in like an action movie, they just kind of become toast. Or you can see their bones. And I, it's like blue and glowing. Yeah, that's like yeah. more of a cartoony <laughs> type of setup. So this is really yeah. fascinating. That that's, and so it, it goes. It it happens in your head, and and so that is the that is the uh, the genesis of a con- of a concussion of of head trauma of bra- of a brain injury for you. For me, for me, yeah. Um, for for a good, I'm gonna say like six months uh, afterwards, I was pretty nervous to touch light switches because every time I would touch one, yeah, I would get shocked. And now, Whoa. still to this day, every time I ride my bike because we live right right by some uh, electricity towers, every time I ride underneath them, um, I get shocks up my leg no. every single time without fail. No way. Whoa. So are you like walk through them, but as soon as I have a bike, so as soon as I have metal, I get shocks. Wait, so the electricity sort of like charged your body in a certain way that it now responds to electricity in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's, that's not, um, that's not super surprising because I'm pretty sure that if you get struck by lightning and survive, the chances that you oh, will get um, struck by lightning again are like right. really are like not really high, but they're way higher, higher than than the than an un than a previously unlightened person. <laughs> uh, I did not know that. That's cool. That I've, it makes yeah. sense. Then. Uh, yeah. I've heard that before, but also this Shahiza, what has what happened to you sounds way more like a like superhero, yeah, like well, comic book. Or, well, so speaking of that, I just watched uh, Batman Returns last night, and uh, there's a, a classic electrocution scene, and uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up right here. <laughs> what is it from? Uh, what movie? From Batman Returns. Uh, this is the scene here. Batman Returns. Is this OG Batman? Oh yeah. This is uh, this is. Um, the Batman movie that that uh, was done by uh, what's his name? Who did uh, uh, Nightmare of Christmas? Um, Tim Tim Burton. God, I loved this movie growing up. <laughs> Never seen it. Heals himself, but we'll get to the good stuff here. Yeah, Catwoman has a bunch of shit. Gonna say, we're gonna she, watch this. Then for she's gonna minutes. take out Christopher Walken, and she does it in the most epic way. It's so sexualized. Santa Claus. Now, was it anything like this? <laughs> um, no. 
This is uh, really intense. Wait, did she grab yeah. the live wire yeah. and then make it with him? Yeah. And her tongue was electrically yes. charged, yes. and then that blew his head apart. So yeah, that happened. And then this is the this is the end result. How much was your experience like that? <laughs> was it was this what happened to you, <laughs> dude? That's is that really I mean, from the I mean, movie? Yeah. Give or take a couple burns, I guess. <laughs> it looks like uh, Mars Attacks yeah. style. Uh, so, uh, animation. So it does look like Mars Attacks. So, so what? So, like, what is the uh, continuing on the like uh, the acuteness of of what happened to you? You so mm-hmm. this patient that you have, who's who just so happens to be an electrical engineer, is like, hey, you have this entrance wound on your hand, and you were thrown back into the wall. What is what happens? What happens next? Yeah. Um, so I, I was super confused and I was super, I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, but I'm a, I'm a type A person. So I was trying to push through and it's like, no, you, you gotta go get yourself. You're like, Here, out. let's do, let's continue. <laughs> I, st- I have a couple more movement tests on your, on your knee that I'd like to do. The guy who knows electricity was like, man, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, over the next, you know, hours. So the symptoms continued to get worse. So I was taken to the emergency room. Um, and in the emergency room, they, they, that's where they found that there was no exit wound. Um, they're like, you know, if, if symptoms continue to get even more worse then come back. So they sent me home and over the next three days, that's when things started to get quite a bit worse. Um, so I started to lose function of my right arm. Um, and I remember just not even being able to hold a knife. Every time I picked it up, I would drop it. Um, I started developing like a weird twem- tremor in my legs. Um, I started getting, I was, I had insomnia. Um, I was really sensitive to lights and sounds and, um, just, you know, I was just really emotional and crying for no reason. And I started having neck pain and jaw pain and, what became really, really worrisome was, um, I developed a stutter and oh my God. I just, I could not concentrate on anything. I remember trying to watch the movie 24, uh, or sorry, 42. I can't even remember what, what it's called. It's either 24 <laughs> or 42, but, um, I, it took eight hours to watch this movie because I had to keep stopping it and rewinding it. Just couldn't comprehend Whoa. what was happening. Was the um, movie just about math? It was just numbers? Because like, <laughs> yeah. that would take me like 12 hours at least. <laughs> I still to this day have not finished it, but it was <laughs> a, baseball, a baseball movie. Um, but yeah, so I went uh, back to the hospital and that's when they were like, okay, um, you have an electrical concussion. We don't, we've never seen it before. We don't really know what it is. Um, so they expedited me to, to be seen by the head injury clinic. Um, and this was at St. Michael's hospital in Toronto, which is one of the best head injury programs in Canada. So I didn't know it at the time, but it's like a, a month, uh, a multi-month wait to get seen in this clinic. Um, but I was seen within I think three days. Wow. Um, oh. and were you in, when were you in Toronto at the time? Yeah, yeah. So I was working in Toronto at the time. Okay, and that's and, probably more and, worrisome, right? When the, when you when when a multi month wait 
uh, thing, For sure. is, thing is yeah. like, hey, three days, three, can you yeah. do three days? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, I was thankful, but... Leading, sure. leading up to that, uh, that, that when you went back to the hospital and you're having all of those, um, s- symptoms that were, that were happening, did you, did you attribute those to the, uh, being electrocuted or were you like, why the fuck do I feel so weird? Yeah, I, I definitely attributed all of the symptoms to the electrocution because okay. there had not been, there hadn't been any other event. Right. Um, so it was pretty clear that something was wrong, but, um, in all honesty, back then I was like, okay, I can sleep this off and I'll be fine. But things just kept getting worse and worse. Um, like debilitating headaches, um, chest palpitations, um, just really, really weird symptoms. So I knew something was wrong. Um, and so, yeah, they expedited me to the head injury clinic and that's when they were, Like, yeah, you you know, it's a little different. It's not necessarily a concussion. It's a diffuse brain injury. Um, What does that mean? uh, I I I still don't really know. It's it's where, you know, you have all of this stuff going on in different areas of the brain. Rather than just having one localized area of injury, um, it's diffused around the brain. And so many different areas of the brain have been impacted. Yeah, I just looked it up. Diffuse axonal injury is the shearing or tearing of the brain's long connecting nerve fibers that happens when the brain is injured as it shifts and rotates inside the bony skull. Uh, DIA usually causes coma and injury to many parts of, of the brain. So, th- so this was mm-hmm. like, this, this wasn't like what, I, I guess, I guess the question is like, like what, you know, out of the two conversations that we've had on the show so far, Sherry walking into the brick wall and, and Danny flipping her car on the, on the 401. What sets those concussions apart from, from a concussion that's caused by an electric shock that just like zaps your brain? Do you, do you know? Yeah. So, so they, they, so it's referred to as an electrical concussion more so for a lack of better terminology, I suppose. Okay. Um, first, so a concussion itself is when you have an injury to the brain um, following an acceleration deceleration type mechanism. So, for example, being in a car accident, when you have all the momentum of the car moving forward and then the impact of the collision occurs, it causes the brain um, or, or the body itself to accelerate and decelerate rapidly. Mm. Whereas with me, the reason they were prefacing it as though, you know, they, you know, it's a concussion, um, but it's probably more likely a diffuse brain injury um, was because we're really unsure of the mechanism. We don't know if it's the, the, you know, being thrown into the wall behind me that caused a lot of what I'm feeling, or if it's actually um, the, the blowing up of electricity within my skull, or if it's a combination of both, which is kind of the thought process. Mm-hmm. Um and we, you know, along with the brain injury, um, I dislocated my, both of the, uh, the discs in my jaw essentially. So I had oh, to have surgery oh there. God. Um, and then I had, um, some neck injuries as well. So, um, on radiographs, so on x-rays, uh, following the accident, they found a translucency, um, on my C2. So what that means is they found some white on one of the bones within my spine. 
And what that generally means is you had a fracture. So um, now a lot of that, those two injuries, is that because I was thrown into the wall behind me or is that because when I was electrocuted, um, I contracted all of these muscles within my body? Um, and that's what we still don't really have an answer for. Whoa. Wow. That is that is super, uh, super fascinating. Is, is the, um, was the symptom of, um, of your arm, like not being able to use your, your arm when you said you were, you couldn't hold a knife, um, like soon afterwards. Um, I think you said that that was before you ended up going to the ho- going back to the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. w- was that, how you said that when you got electrocuted, it, it went up through your ner- your nerves. Um, was that like a, a deadening of the nerves in your arm or was that a function or a symptom of the brain injury, um, how it was affecting all these different parts of your brain that it was affecting like the part of your brain that, that allows you to send signals to your arm? Yeah, so for that one, I think it's more the electrical current causing injury to those structures as it traveled through. Um, whereas some of the other um, maybe longer lasting symptoms that I've had are more related to the brain injury itself. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. I One of my doctors had told me that she had read a story where um, – lower impact electricity tends to cause more damage than higher impact electricity um, or electrocutions rather. So the thought process is if you have a really high voltage, um, you're going to be, you're going to let go of the source a lot more rapidly than with Mm. a lower voltage. And with a lower voltage, you're holding on longer. So the thought process is because I was holding onto it for however long I was holding onto it for, or, or, or however long it was contacting my body, rather, um, that caused some damage through my arm as and, it traveled uh, up, essentially. And I, I actually, I meant to, I meant to ask you this earlier, and then, and then, then you started describing the fucking craziness that is this whole experience, <laughs> and I kind of forgot about it. But that when, like, we were talking before, how you know, I get this little shock when I'm plugging in my when I'm trying to adjust the plug on my uh, my MacBook charger. And is are you okay? How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty. I'm glad that I'm feeling good. I'm really glad that you described it as a shock now and not an electrocution because yeah, I mean electrocution. I feel like yeah, I feel like an electrocution's on a little bit of a different level. Um, Was that now? Is the difference is the is the difference between why I got that and you got what you got because the bed, like the power that drives the bed is is just significantly higher than like you know a, a, a laptop charger yeah I would, I would assume so so it was um i believe it was a 300 voltage bed um and uh yeah i mean the, the place short circuited so wow. um it, it was enough i guess to do that and i imagine uh, an ipod charger is probably a little less than that yeah, a laptop charger is rated at 19 is- volts uh-huh. so so, okay. so you got basically yeah. Shahiza received. It I had like a beer and you thirty times chugged a pint. Yeah, not not quite thirty times, but just under the, like thirty times. I don't even drink hard alcohol. I don't know why I even went there with that. I never, crazy. I never bring this up when we're talking about um, like injuries and liabilities and stuff. And you don't have to talk about this, but. If that was me and that happened to me, I would sue the fuck out of that bed company with that. 
that, that cord getting electrocuted, man, that just seems so unsafe. Well, 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 well to, to that point, then was yes, it? Was it not? Why well, are you shaking your head? Well, at that? Um, I mean, I, I get why, dude, why is Taylor shaking his head? Because Taylor doesn't care about anyone. <laughs> Wait, um, hold uh, on. Um, what do you mean by that? Would you? Do you want to? Do you want to? No, no, no. I got it here. I got it. She's a. Do, when you do you know if when you went to because it wasn't the was it the cord or was it that you touched the the like the metal part that goes into the outlet. Like you, you touch the metal of the, like the no. grounding. Oh, no, no. Uh-oh. So, um, the, so when the electrical engineer patient of mine jumped down, <laughs> he pulled the cord out of the socket and it was, Frayed? it was severed essentially. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So really that scene we just watched in Batman, it was that. Yeah, it was yeah. essentially that, like a live <laughs> fucking wire. Holy yeah, shit! Wire. That is so crazy. So there's there is a um, there is a YouTuber, uh, and his he, he's an electrical engineer as well, and he has a I don't know how the fuck I came across this, but he has a YouTube channel that is all about um, educating. It's an educational channel about. Um, uh, electrical engineering, essentially. Um, and he talks about, you know, uh, whatever the words you said and like voltages and ohms. Ohms. Yeah, sure. Uh, what and, is an ohm? Yeah, I have no Other idea. Other than a ohm. Yeah, what is an ohm? I honestly can't really remember what an ohm actually well, is. Well, electro boom. I know there's ohms and there's resistances. Yeah. I guess you did say, I don't even know what an ohm is. So I guess the, I can't really yeah. explain. So, the, so this guy, he, he, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a comedy YouTube channel meant to educate you on, on electricity. And, um, he, he purposely electric electrocutes himself on the show. Um, but, but I think what he's doing, like he's doing it at these lower volts. I'm, I'm guessing it, he has to be because sure. if he's not, I mean, he's just su- subjecting himself to, to, uh, lots and lots of injury. But I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, pre- I prepped, a, the, the, the trailer clip from his, um, his YouTube show. And I, I just want to, I just want to show this so you get like kind of an idea of what he's all about. What did I do? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Some people say I'm an idiot. Uh. Oh, oh. he is an idiot. What I'm others idiot. say, I'm a genius. Yeah, definitely. Damn it. <laughs> but the truth <laughs> is that Dude, what a look. Just a man with His channel is actually super funny. <laughs> Just wait for it. This is my favorite part what right a, here. Oh. So please okay. join us to make a better world by clicking on the subscription button below. Right now, our operators are working 24-7 to receive your subscription. <laughs> 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 Shit. Dude, what a great little peek into Jer's... Please leave your message after the beep. Into Jer's, Jer's free time. <laughs> Honestly, though, yeah, I don't know how I came across it. was through Reddit, I think, but I, I watched a lot of his videos. Guys, since we're geeking out on, on volts, voltages, and, and, and amps, and uh, ohms, and resistance, um, a, a lightning bolt? Oh, yes, please. How many volts? 300 million. Whoa. Oh, wow. wow. 
Whoa. That's why people, oh, when they get electrocuted by lightning, they just vomit all their organs out of them in black. <laughs> Dude. How does somebody, do I don't understand how, so, like, I mean. We don't usually survive. We're you, listening to this yeah. crazy story, uh, you know, at like, I mean, relative to a lightning bolt, very low, very low <laughs> voltage. And you're, you, I mean, you had, had injuries that are horrific and affect your life in these major, major ways. And people have been hit by lightning and yeah. lived. Uh, but also, Shahiza just said too that like the higher voltage right. stuff is t- sometimes not as as quote unquote bad or doesn't have the same impact because yeah. it doesn't stay in you, right? Or you don't hold on to yeah. it as long or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and potentially pushes you away further. I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that lightning would uh, would push you to some extent Wait, as well. Yeah. Wait, when you yeah. when you said you got flung back into the wall, like how far away was that wall? Um, I think it was like four feet. Oh shit! So so a significant amount. Uh, one of our patrons, Melanie, who's a who's a uh, uh, pretty sure she's a doctor, but uh, she wouldn't say that. But but in my mind, she's a doctor, she's a nurse, nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, which is basically she's, a, doctor. She's a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, doctor Melanie said, uh, "I'm never going to look at beds at work the same." Sorry, Mel. Yeah. We we had a question that came in from one of our patrons um, from Whitney. She said, uh, super interesting to hear about your rehab process following your injury. As an OT that does post-concussion cognitive rehab, I'm wondering if that's something you did for treatment. Yeah, um, I, my treatment was extremely extensive. Um, so after the head injury clinic, I flew back to Calgary and I've been back here ever since. So I saw OTs, um, I saw PTs, RMTs, SLPs, um, physiatrists, psychologists, um, neurologists, physiatr- uh, I think I said that already, but, um, yeah, what's an, what's an honestly, SLP? every, uh, sorry, speech language pathologist. Okay. Um, so just every health professional that you can think of, I saw, um, especially within the first eight months or so. So for the first eight months, um, I was told to rest until symptoms subside because that was best medical knowledge at that point. Um, and, uh, so other than doing that, I was going to appointments. Um, so yeah, OT was definitely in the picture. Mm-hmm. What I, I'm curious, um, to get into like all of the, the, your, your long and extensive rehab journey, um, before we kind of start even down that road, um, in terms of like how you looked at this injury, and the evolution of how you sort of looked at it as you went from like, you know, having your hand on the side of the bed in the room immediately after sort of thinking like, oh, this is something I need to shake off. And then after a couple of days of, of realizing that it wasn't starting to go away, like how did you see the evolution of, of the impact of the injury and, and how did that sort of, how did your perspective shift about that over time? Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. So I definitely thought that I would be back in Toronto, um, back to life as usual within a couple of months. Man, it sounds um, like COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah be two weeks. Eight years later. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I I didn't foresee it playing as big of a role in my life as it has. Um I remember going into the first appointment with at the head injury clinic. And, and actually asking 
um, when I could start like snowboarding and longboarding again. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, well, one step at a time. We're, we're nowhere mm-hmm. close to that yet. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't expect to have the chronicities that I have. That's for sure. Um, when did, when did you start to realize like how severe or intense the, the recovery process was going to be? Um, I think for the first three months, I was still really optimistic that it would be short. And then by about eight months, that's when I started to really realize that um, this was going to be a bigger issue than I thought it was. And um, that's kind of when my mentality on things started to change a little bit um, because I realized that yeah, it was, it was sticking around for a bit. Mm-hmm. Do you think that your do you think that your um, your edge like your education, your knowledge, your experience as a, as a physio, um, like allowed you to stay optimistic longer in the sense that um, like when I have an injury, if it, like if something nags me, not an injury, but like if I have something that kind of nags me for a little bit. Um, like once it's there for a month, I, I, I sort of like adopt this, like, well, I guess this is my life now. This, um, this is what it's like to grow old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I go, yeah, I, I really do. I go, well, I'm in my thirties now, so that, this makes sense. Um, and I kind of think, oh, this is going to be around for, for a very long time now. Like I get into that mode very quickly. Um, yeah. like did that, how did, how did your, how did your, your PT experience sort of play a role in how you were how you were viewing what you were experiencing and like what the road ahead would might be for you. Yeah. Um, ironically it played zero role at this point or at that point. Um, when I went into physio school, I knew I wanted to treat sports injuries and I knew I wanted to kind of get my, my, uh, further specialization in the area of sports, uh, therapy and whatnot. And I wanted to work with athletes. Um, so this is back in 2010, probably, that we were learning about concussions. And I saw it in the course syllabus. Um, and at that time, like I said, at that time, the best treatment available was to rest in, in a dark room until your symptoms went away. So when I saw it in the syllabus, I was like, this is a complete waste of time. Like, when is when, when am I, as a physiotherapist, ever going to treat a concussion and even if I do, what am I going to say to the patient? I'm going to tell them to rest and yeah, go hibernate. wait and come back and see me. Yeah. So um, I remember vividly that we were learning about concussions on a Friday. Uh, it was a long weekend and I decided to take an extra long weekend. And I, <laughs> I skipped that day of the program. That was the one day of the program that I did not go to. Um, when it came to the national licensing exam, I, Karma, am I, right? I, would take the, <laughs> yeah, I took the hit on the exam. I didn't study it. And yeah. when it came to uh, my own, yeah, uh, life has a way of teaching you what you're supposed to learn, I guess. Um, so I was, I had no knowledge on a concussion when, when I experienced my brain injury. Um, so I don't think it prepared me at all, but, um, yes, after about eight months, um, I started to look and dive into the research on my own and that's, uh, that kind of changed things for me. Mm. And you said that you said that you've kind of, you've gone down that road in your career. And, um, I definitely do want to return to the, the, uh, the intricacies of like all the stuff that you had to, to, to do to rehab. 
Um, but since we're sort of hovering around the topic, you, you kind of went down that, that road, um, in your career on head injuries and what I know that concussions, the idea of concussions has come a long way over the last like 10 years. I would probably put it in like a 10 year span that like things have really changed and you know, you hear it all, all around different sports leagues around the world. They're paying attention to it in a much, a much different way. Concussion protocols across, you know, basically any major, any of the big sports and in amateur sports as well. Um, like if you were to, if you were doing your program now, what does that, what does that day of, of, of the course look like when you're talking about head injury and like the, the, your ability to treat it? Yeah. Um, so there is a study that was put out. This is a couple of years old now. Um, but basically what it showed is the average medical student in North America gets about 25 minutes worth of concussion education throughout their entire medical program. Um, so I, it would be, it would be a lot longer than a day to be quite honest. Um, this field, it's still in its infancy, but it is exploded. And, and you're right in the last 10 years, um, it's absolutely exploded. And I think a lot of that is because of people like Sidney Crosby um, and just the attention that's been brought to the area of concussions and um, a lot of really good knowledge and a lot of really good research. So um, in terms of what, a, you know, a program or, or a course or a curriculum would, would look at, it would be first, what is a concussion? So when I went to school, we were told that it's a coup contra coup injury. So basically what that means is you have an acceleration, deceleration, and your brain kind of jiggles within the skull, causing bruising almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the one piece of information that I know from, from when I took the course. But um, now what we know is it's actually a stretching and a shearing of the interface between the gray matter and the white matter in your brain. Um, and that stretching and that shearing causes an opening of ion channels, which essentially causes a rapid, um, rapid firing of action potentials. So that's why people initially feel these really weird symptoms. And, and then eventually, because that uses a lot of energy, we have a reduction in ATP, which is your body's energy source. Um, and that reduction in ATP is essentially what a concussion is. Hmm. So... I focus a little bit on what a concussion is and then the forms of treatment and the things that we look at. So um, cerebral blood flow is one of the big things that we look at at the clinic. Um, or is a person getting adequate oxygen to their brain to meet the demands of whatever task they're doing? Uh, we look at the vestibular system. We look at the visual system. We look at the neck, so the cervical <laughs> spine, because it's relatively impossible to have a concussion without also having a whiplash. Um, when we look at concussions, we know that it takes about 70 to 120 G forces of acceleration, deceleration, whereas with whiplash, it requires 4.5. So they, they kind of go hand in hand. Mm. Um, yeah, just a bunch of different systems that we we would look at to determine why people are having these persistent symptoms. And and these things that you just mentioned, like when when this happened to you and you were going through recovery, were these were these things um, relatively well known in the in the the science of concussion, or 
did this happen long ago, long ago enough that, uh, again, that you were just really being told like, uh, oh, you just gotta just, just crawl into that cave and, and, you know, yeah. try not to do much. Yeah. So no, not one person told me any of what we know today. Um, and I strongly believe that had my injury happened, you know, today, um, I, I may not have had some of the chronicities that I do have today right. um, because this was eight years ago. And back then my entire medical team was telling me, you know, you got to rest. Um, I had a pretty diverse and a pretty vast medical team, I think because people were really interested in the uniqueness of it. So I was, um, I'm grateful. And I, I was, you know, glad to have all of the attention of all of these different medical professionals, but Unfortunately, the good major- vast majority of them relied on medication. And so I was told not to do anything. I was um, given a bunch of medication. And that's kind of how the first eight months went. Um, whereas we know now that if you start uh, symptom-limited um, physical and cognitive activity within the first 48 hours, you have a much better prognosis. I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. We just had an email come in from a listener who, um, uh, in 2020, uh, it was early this year, I think January 2021, uh, she, she had fell, she fainted in her bathroom and fell straight back on her head and received a concussion. One of the things that they told her was that anything that required cognitive load was considered an activity. And so she was not allowed to do more than one activity a day until they had conquered it without triggering any concussion symptoms. And so she went on to say that walking would be one activity, but walking and talking or even listening to music or a podcast while walking would be two activities. Um, And the other activities of daily living that were now considered activities were things like driving, reading, cooking and exercising. Mm. Listening and s- to Sick Boy was three activities because these conversations can be so overwhelming. Yeah, you got to you got to filter yeah. through all the bullshit that yeah. that comes out of our mouths. Yeah. So so <laughs> I, I take it that like th- that you weren't told to like limit activity like it really was just like bare bones basic like just try to do nothing until this sub- subsides. Um and in your in your application you you had said that you were bedridden for for about uh eight months, which is fucking wild to think. Um, but that you, you kind of got tired of that shit and, and tried to like find your own way to, to kind of get over that hump. Um, what was the, the sort of like the method that you, you tried to find to, to get yourself beyond that point of, of being bedridden? Yeah. So, 
the the eight months point was kind of the turning point for me. So essentially what happened was like I, like I mentioned, um, medical knowledge was lacking. So I was given a lot of medication from a lot of different really interested and well-intentioned people. Um, at the height of it, I was taking 22 different pills a day though. So uh, one of them is a medication that you give to individuals for Parkinson's. And this was for the tremor in my legs. And I was taking the max dosage of this medication, which is meant for individuals who are, you know, dealing with Parkinson's disease. Um, I was taking another medication, which you're only supposed to take two of them within a 48 hour period because it can lead to brain toxicity. Um, But anyway, so the way that I dealt with it was I realized that in order for me to get out of bed and move on with my life, um, what I could do was just take more medication. So I don't advise this to anyone, but what I was doing was I was over medicating. Um, For one of the pain medications, they recommend that you don't take more than 15 days. You don't take it on more than 15 days in a month and you don't take more than 30 pills in a month. Um, I was taking it three times a day, at least every single day. Um, I I think I was actually taking close to 120 to 150 pills a month. Um, this medication flying high, like the the, the background of this, this part, this stream right now is just all you saw everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of like the rave in my head that I was explaining. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, what were you on for pain? Um, I was on, like I said, 22 different things that, um, it, it was a lot. There's a bunch of different medications that I was taking. So I was taking amitriptyline, nortriptyline, gabapentin, um, uh, Lyrica, uh, I was taking, uh, naproxen, um, uh, I was taking tryptophan for the insomnia, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, one in particular is called Maxalt. So, it's a migraine abortive medication, and that's the one you're not supposed to take more than um, two of those within a 48-hour period. And I realized that in order for me to get out of bed and live my life without pain um, and to you know, keep up with the person that I was prior to all of this, I could take more than that. Um, so I started taking like six, seven, eight a day. Whoa. Um, I started having heart palpitations and... What eventually ended up happening with all of this medication and the overusage of it was um, I initially had peptic ulcers and then I started to develop uh, liver damage. So I remember being in the hospital and the doctor saying, you know, your, your liver enzymes are at a really dangerous level and you have the liver of an alcoholic right now. Wow. Um, Cause max salts, uh, max salts, bath salts are uh, really bad for you, but, uh, she, she was taking max salt, uh, a little bit different, but, but it is, it's an, it's a narcotic, right? It's like an, it's an opioid. I don't believe it's in the opioid family. I I might, I might be mistaken. Um, can we ask Dr. Mel how bad this is? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mel, tell us how bad is this, um, Doctor Mel? I'm also at the same time. Uh, Shahiza, how like how was your mental health at this time? Oh God, yeah, it was um, probably just it rosy. Was a challenging, challenging. <laughs> yeah, it was a challenging time. I mean, I, I was trying to get back to life. Like I yeah. said, yeah, I was a Type A person who 
didn't think that this would be with me for the long run. Mm -hmm. And so when I had reached that eight month period, I was like, you know what, screw it. I want to get on with my life and I'm going to do whatever I need to. And rather than kind of accepting that I needed to live life a little bit differently, I was still trying to keep up with the person that I was. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had all these issues. I had something called serotonin syndrome. So that's when you have brain toxicity and that's, that was a turning point for me. My doctor said, um, you know, your, your, your options here are heart palpitations, which I already had, which could lead to a coma, which could lead to death. So if you don't make a change, you're headed down a really bad path here. Um, I was also, uh, just drinking alcohol at the time so that I could really just not feel the pain. And so I could live my life. And, um, when I heard that death was a real option, that's when I knew I had to make a big change. Um, yeah, no mental health. Um, yeah, it was tough. I, I -hmm. definitely struggled with, um, some really dark days, a lot of, uh, just feeling depressed and kind of, you know, down on, on my situation and wondering why, I mean, everyone who goes through something wonders why me, right? Um, but why me is I watched all of my friends move on with their lives and I was kind of, you know, just at a standstill. Mm -hmm. What, what was it that, you know, how did you find that turning point? Um, yeah, really it was hearing that uh, with, with over medicating, I honestly felt like I was invincible. And, um, when I heard that I could die, um, I knew that I had to make a change. Um, and so I just kind of committed to, okay, I'm going to get off of all the medication and try and figure out another way to get through this. Um, which was also problematic because I cut all the medication cold Turkey, um, which I also never advised to anyone with the withdrawal symptoms that came as a result of that were pretty horrific. Um, it was a really, really dark period. And, um, I remember, you know, just, yeah, just having thoughts of, do I even want to continue living if I'm just living in pain? You know, what's what's the point of this? So mm-hmm. um, a lot of really, really low points for sure. What, so I, I definitely now empathize with anyone who's dealing with addictions or uh, chronic pain or anything mm, of that sort. Did you, did you, um, you know, obviously withdrawal is like so so hardcore. And especially, I mean, I can't even imagine with being on such a, such a vast cocktail of medications. Um, Cornucopia. Yes. Yes. Uh, did you, did you find any tools to help you through the, the withdrawal and, and to like, you know, to find brighter days? Um, Yeah. I mean, so as I, okay. So as I got off of all of the prescription medication, um, this was, this was actually prior to cannabis being legalized in Canada. Um, so I got a medical license and, um, that helped, I think. Um, and then with some of the research that I was doing, um, I, I came across how, exercise is, is a good form of, um, you know, treatment for chronic 
concuss- concussion symptoms. And I think that that really helped with the mental ha- health aspect as well. Um, so I started getting into an exercise regimen. I changed my diet completely to an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, I think that those things helped. I think that um, just kind of being at your low point sometimes, sometimes you have to get there to be able to realize that you want to work through it and, and mm-hmm. find other ways to, to move forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I turned to some, just I guess, a different or trying to build different habits, essentially. I was, um, I mentioned this on the Feel Good Friday episode that's going to come out this week. Um, uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, recently with, um, the podcast is, is with a guy named Peter Atia. He's a, he's a, uh, a medical doctor and focuses on longevity and aging and like optimal health and but it was, um, an, it was an episode of Joe Rogan, though, it, right? No, it was his own podcast. Um, but he was recently on Rogan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, and he was talking to a guy named David Nutt, who is a he is, he, that is a really funny name, isn't it? Uh, and a, and he is a he is a PhD in um, uh, psychiatrics, uh, psychopharmacology, and they were talking about like drug profiles and like. Um, different drugs across the spectrum, uh, recreational drugs and psychedelics and all this stuff. And, and they started talking about, uh, opioids and cannabis in particular uh, and, and talking about them in relationship to the, you know, the opioid epidemic that has, you know, been spurred since, well, a long time, but heavily in the night, starting heavily in the nineties and, and how, how, because cannabis wasn't legal, um, you know, there was just no, the, 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 there was just this like crazy overprescription of, of opioids, but how cannabis is with its safety profile is like hands down the best pain management system on earth that it, you can use. It changed my mom's life when she was going through chemo. Like, like it was the only thing that worked. I can't like I, I and 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 how and how um like how 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 simple it is to use and how simple it is to stop using mm-hmm. in relationship to something, something like, like something opioids, like like, yeah. uh, like Dilaudid or twenty twenty two medications for yeah yeah, yeah right like what like when you started was was it um. Was it a standout when you started when you st- when you started being able to use cannabis as a as a treatment for pain? Was it like cannabis in particular? Was it cannabis and and and, and a few other things that that kind of really helped? Or yeah, um, so I have successfully been able to get off of all of the medication. The only one that I still take is um, naproxen, uh, which is just an NSAID. So. I use that for just inflammation and pain. Um, but I attribute a, a big part of that to the cannabis. Um, and I am, as a result of all of this, I'm very skeptical with medication now. So I actually just recently started seeing um, a neurosurgeon. So it's a neurosurgeon and a neurologist duo. Um, and they they go in and they do some injections on my head for, for some pain relief. And um the neurosurgeon had recommended um, a medication, and we were just joking about how 
how I look up every single medication and every single side effect <clears throat> now, um, just because I've dealt with so many side effects over the last eight years here. Um, and I'm, I'm nervous to take medication. So no, yeah. in that sense, yeah, I think, you know, for me at least, um, cannabis enabled me to get off of a lot of the other medication. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, given the right titrations and, mm-hmm. and, um, the right strain and whatnot, I think that it can be something super useful. Uh, that's less damaging for your body than some of these prescription medication. Yeah. And I, and I don't blame you. I mean, prescription medication, although it is, you know, it, it is a miracle of the modern world, no doubt. And there yeah. are countless drugs that it has its save, place that save lives yeah. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Every single drug that you take has asterisk, 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 asterisk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and people, people, people take them not knowing what those asterisks are a lot of the times mm-hmm. and physicians and surgeons prescribe them a lot of times without knowing what yeah. those asterisks are because they're dude. not, they're not, th- that's not their specialty. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, dude, try kafta. I, I mean, try kafta. Like my nipples are now, my nipples are now 17 inches long. Yeah. Which I is, knew that was coming. Yeah. It's totally worth it, they, they, but it's they, weird. Not, Taylor, I, I just can't, I can't just gloss over the fact that, I'm just and so enamored by your ability to say asterisks. Asterisk. Asterisk. Yeah. So many poor Brian. Poor Brian. So many, you just did it like you so nonchal, so nonchalantly and coolly. You just said it. You say it. Asterisks. Asterisks. You say it. Asterisk. I can't do it. <laughs> I think I've been pronouncing it wrong my whole life. How do you say it? Asterisks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. Yeah, you I, have. I, I would say more like you for sure do it. That's why. But that's why oh, it was so impressive. Fucking idiots. That's why it's so um, amazing. Uh, Shahiza, you should just do a podcast where you just say that just word say for an hour. Uh, Shahiza, I'm I'm really curious to know. Um, you know, you 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 had a you had a really long road to recovery, um, but um, out of all this, you you went on to do something quite quite impressive and and. Uh, quite amazing, really. You you started your own your own clinic. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the work that you do um, at Running Shoe Restorative Healthcare and the Calgary Concussion Center? Yeah. Um, so, Running Shoe Restorative Healthcare it's a multidisciplinary clinic here in Calgary. Um, so, we have a team of physiotherapists. Uh, we have chiropractors. We have a massage therapist, podiatrist, a psychologist. Um, chiropractor, I think I said that. Um, and, and then the subdivision of it is called the Calgary Concussion Center. Um, and that's really where my passion is right now. And it's really ironic to go from not thinking I would ever, ever treat a concussion and skipping it in school to, uh, (laughs) having an entire clinic devoted to concussion rehab. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I use my experience and the research that's come from it and the fact that I still have chronic pain today. Um, I use all of that to empathize with people who are going through the same and to try and educate them on, on this field as it continues to evolve. Um, And I use it as a means of essentially finding purpose behind what happened to me. Um, Mm. When all of this happened, you know, like I had alluded to earlier, I was asking the why me questions Mm -hmm. and 
I really did need to find purpose and I really need to fall back on that purpose now when I'm having a terrible day because those days still come. And the purpose that I have fallen back on is, you know, if I can use what I've gone through as well as um, my expertise as a physiotherapist and um, if I can use that to help others to prevent chronicities or to help them navigate or even just to be a shoulder during a really tough time, because as we all know, concussions are invisible injuries yeah. and it's really hard for other people to understand what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, being a therapist who's also experienced the pain, I think that that helps. I think it helps for these people to open up a little bit more freely and just understand that I'm understanding what they're going through. So essentially what happened was in 2018, as I was really diving into the research and learning about how to implement things on myself, um, I became certified as a concussion therapist. Um, So it's a physio who has the skills to be able to treat um, and manage, you know, both acute and chronic concussion and concussion symptoms. Um, So I took that and I continue to dive into the research and um, just really built this clinic around this field. And it's, it's really taken off, which is awesome. And, you know, the fact that so many people out there are sustaining concussions and the fact that we're still having referrals come through where people are saying that they've gone to other clinics where they've talked to healthcare professionals who have told them to sit in the dark. Um, it really just, you know, reinforces how much we need to get this message or, you know, people who are treating concussions need to get this message out there that, um, that more can be done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I would love to, I would love to, I would love to continue this conversation in particular for one of our Wednesday episodes to talk about what that is, because that's all I've ever heard for sure. And I've, you know, I've had my fair share of head knocks coming up in, uh, sports and, uh, that was and it shows. Thanks. That was all. That's all I've ever heard for concussions is um, go to a dark, go to a dark place, dark place. That's it. Like don't literally don't do and figuratively, just yeah. go to a dark place and <laughs> hopefully you'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. Um, I, I know we're getting close to time. I, I second that too, Tay. I would love to uh, do a Wednesday episode on that. But um, yeah. um, one thing I've 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 wanted to know too is. Like obviously, this has been an eight eight year journey for you, and and there have been some pretty low lows along the way. Um, I'm I'm curious about how your relationships um, with people, whether it's families or loved loved ones or um, anybody, like how your relationships have been affected throughout this journey. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a big one. Um, so prior to all of this. Um, I was, I was a different person in what I can do, what I could do. Right. I, I liked mm-hmm. the more extreme activities. I was a risk taker. Um, and I can't do those things anymore. So what I really noticed, um, and this is again, around that eight month mark, um, it was tough for a lot of the people that I associated with to understand that things had to look a little bit more low key for me. And that's why I was over medicating so that I could keep up with them and keep up with, you know, how we used to relate to one another. Um, 
And so I ended up losing a good number of my friends throughout this process. And I mean, it's no fault of theirs, right? You, you befriend people because you have shared interests. Mm -hmm. And if I'm no longer able to partake in those shared interests, um, it's, it's tough, right? Um, so I went through a, a pretty low period with, you know, losing friends and my personality not quite matching up with how my body had to, um, I kind of transition into being, um, so meeting people that I connected with has been tough and had been tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like I said, it's an invisible injury. So even the people who try to understand what's going on, it's tough for them. It's really tough for people to fully understand that you're in pain. And, and I guess that's why for me, it became easier to just medicate and try and push through. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I realized that I don't want to do that anymore. And, um, I, th- I think it's still a journey that I'm going through. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's, um, wild to think about, I, like, as, as you're saying that I'm having this thought of like how the, if, if we were to give like the one line sort of description of, of all of the episodes that we've talked about and the, the guest experience, like, Hey, this is a conversation with Shahizan. you know, she was electrocuted and suffered a concussion because of that. Um, I feel like what people initially think about that is like, oh, well, that's kind of, that's fucked up. Like you got shocked and, and now you have concussion symptoms. But until you really like hear the story and hear about all the, you know, challenges and trials mm-hmm. and tribulations that a person goes through, it's really hard to really understand and empathize with what they've been through. And, and you know, like when I'm hearing you say that, it's like, holy fuck, you've gone through like an entire like identity shift because of this experience. So it's not just like the concussion. It's like the whole f- fucking experience and, and life-changing shift that that comes with that. And it's it's something that really stands out to me is like, oh, whoa, it's like these experiences are, are way more complex and impact our lives in, in ways that, you know, I know that I wouldn't otherwise think about until I'm able to like sit down and hear you tell your story for an hour to really Mm -hmm. get to understand, you know, how it's affected your life and how it's made you the person that you are today. Shahiza, what would you say is the biggest thing that your, your experience of being electrocuted, what would you say is the biggest thing that it's taken away from you? Um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, I, I think it's um, because I am always in pain. So there's, there's literally not a day that goes by that I don't have some form of headache. Um, it's hard to be, you know, who I was. I used to be a, a more spontaneous person. I used to be a very socially active person. Um, I used to be a very athletic person. So just thinking of athleticism, for example, I used to, I love basketball and I love longboarding. I haven't been able to join like a basketball team because I'm unreliable. Mm. I can't, I can't join a team because I don't know when I'm going to have a debilitating migraine. Um, so I would say the, the thing that I miss most is being able to do some of the sports and some of the activities that I used to be able to do. Um, basketball, box, kickboxing, um, rock climbing, um, 
just being super active is something that I, I miss and I'm active in a different way. I had to get into things like running and hiking, which I didn't do much of before. Um, so I found ways around it and I've, I've found other activities, but they're not the activities that bring me the most joy, I guess, yeah. or mm-hmm. the joy that I experienced with those other activities. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? Purpose, definitely purpose. I think prior to all this, um, I was living life according to what the societal norms um, are. So what society thinks you should be doing at 27, 28, 29. Um, I have since learned that my life doesn't fit into this, what society deems to be normal. And I think that that's a good thing. I don't think we should be living life that way. Um, but I've learned that I need to live a, a life that allows me the flexibility to take breaks when I need and to, um, the clinic, the reason I set the clinic up was so that I could have flexibility where if I have a crappy day, I don't need to go in or, um, I have a flexibility, flexibility to, you know, make sure I'm getting a workout in and make sure I'm cooking meals that are anti-inflammatory and make sure I'm setting aside time to meditate, Mm. um, things of that sort. So I think that um yeah purpose and more of a balanced life is what it's given me dude you're such a badass yeah absolutely <laughs> she's a, this uh, this conversation has been uh i mean just absolutely amazing you're such a wonderful guest um you're a wealth of knowledge and um as as unfortunate as it is that you went through what you went through uh i'm grateful that we had the the opportunity to have you on the show to talk about about this experience uh, to share it with us and and our patrons for our very last live Patreon stream of 2021. This is uh, it couldn't have been a better experience. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, that is it, uh, folks. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being a patron. Thanks for your support. Uh, I hope you all had a a good year. And uh, we're really, really looking forward to the year uh, coming up, 2022. Uh, we had some uh, people chime in on the polls here. Um, I'll, I'll rattle this off. How would you rate 2021? We had uh, 28% said 10 out of 10. Nice. Sweet. 42% said 1 out of 10. Ouch. That's, yeah. uh, that's way more than the people who said 8 out of 10. And then uh, 28% said, is it not 2019? <laughs> Uh, we have, have you ever, have you ever, just a two week lockdown? Have you ever electro- electrocuted yourself? Uh, 44% said never, and 55% said yep. I think they uh, meant shocked. Right. I yeah. They, yeah. They it's were, hard to, well, yeah. What's the definition of, of We don't know. We yeah. don't know. As we just found out from Shahiza, it's, it's hard to, to know these things sometimes. Yes. So who knows? And then, of course, uh, the last poll was, uh, are you on Santa's naughty or nice list? Uh, 44% said nice. Oh, I thought we were going to say, I thought we had more. Yeah, we actually, we do. We have more baddies. 55% said naughty. Yeah. 0% said I'm Jewish. So. Oh, okay. So we. Zero. So you mean nobody said I'm Jewish. So I, what, what I see from that is that we, there is an entire population that we are not speaking to right now. 
Yeah. That it's just those are we need to we need to get more Jewish content on the show. The they, uh, market? Don't they stereotypically uh, <laughs> like to save their it. money, so they're not going to be investing in Patreon subscriptions anyway? Wow! Wow, Brian! Wow! That's a stereotype, right? I, I mean, it yes, is it is. Yes, yeah. it is. Stereotypes uh, are bad. Uh, yes, they are. <laughs> that one especially. Uh, patrons, thank you. We love you all so much. This has been really fun. Uh, have a happy holiday. Um, we hope you enjoy it, whatever you're up to. And, and again, we know that this time can be really hard for some people. So if that's, if that's you know that, uh, we are here, we're just a, a, a DM or an email away. And so, uh, reach out. We love hearing from all of you, uh, at any time. And of course the discord is always popping off and just a lovely community there to see, um, all you people rally around each other when you're having a hard time. So, uh, uh, just know we love you and, uh, we'll be, we'll be hanging out with you on discord over the holidays and hope you have a really happy one. Uh, thank you so much. We love you all. And, uh, that is it for 2021. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is sick boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.